With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, good morning, everybody. Welcome in to the Loretta McNary Live Radio Show. I'm so excited that you are here. And it has to be Tuesday. No, it's Thursday. I'm so used to Tuesday and Wednesday. The week is going so fast. Man, it's been awesome, though. Happy um, Thursday to everybody who's listening today. So excited about our show, as I've stated before. And, you know, um, I've become very much more health conscious in trying to um, get my exercise in and everything. And so our guest today is going to really um, do justice for that topic today. <laughs> but I also want to say, um, do a little catch-up on the events. Last night I was at the Cannon Center, and I got a chance to meet the in, in, um, incredible Ben Tankard. Uh, he performed, and I got a chance to talk to him. And of course, I did the picture thing like a fan. But um, it was really a conversation about business and the show and what he's doing with his new reality show coming on. So just wanted to say kudos to um Lamont, D. Lamont on College for putting on such an amazing event featuring Ben Tinkert last night. So we're very, very happy about that. But as I was saying, our guest today is Chef Cordell, and I want to just get him on the line because 30 minutes goes so fast, and I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about him. But we can actually talk to him. So welcome to the show, Chef Cordell. Good afternoon. Um, how are you today? I'm absolutely marvelous. How are you? Uh, sister, I am fantastic, and I really do think it would be impossible for me to be any better than what I'm feeling right now. Oh, my goodness, I'm loving that. That's the first on the show. I have not had a guest who felt that well. So great. Well, it's it the only way to be. be. It's the only way to be, you know. Yeah. Okay, so you you are a prime example of if you do all the right things of what um, can happen and how you benefit from those things. So everybody, for those who are just tuning in, I'm talking to celebrity chef Cordell, uh, and he is so amazing. We'll share his story as we go deeper in the show, but the whole um, concept behind him being on here is we know that we have a huge problem not only in our own particular states, but definitely in the states. Uh, in the United States of America, we have a huge obesity problem. So that's what we're going to talk about today because we, we feel like with the right choices and the proper information, we can definitely uh, eradicate that problem in our lifetime. So, Chef, Absolutely. how did you get started? Let's kind of, you know, get your credentials and talk from there, and then we'll move forward to um, helping people become more healthy with healthy recipes and all that good stuff. Okay, cool. Well, um, I've been cooking now for probably about 20 years. I'm in my mid, mid-30s now, but, but my parents got my sister and I started at a really young age when it came to cooking, probably about 12 or 13 or so. And I was always, uh, like, enamored by how they could take nothing and create wonderful things from it. Uh, like, everything wasn't always great all the time, but most of the time everything <laughs> turned, turned out really, really well. And that um, that creative side kind of stuck with me. I think it was always in me, and they just helped to bring it out more and more. So 
I've had a, a deep love affair with cooking since the age of about 13 or so, and it's just stuck with me. So, I mean, I've been very fortunate with that. Um, I Actually, back when I was about 15 or so, I started selling cookies to my uh, church and to my school, and that kind of got me in the mode of entrepreneurship as well. So, I mean, I was uh, very, very fortunate to kind of get into that mode with cooking and putting together a business. And though it wasn't a booming business at that point, it did get me into the habit of, well, maybe this is something that you can actually do. So um, I've been doing it now on my own for about maybe four and a half, five years, and I've done a lot of different things in this business um, in that very short time, and I've learned a lot about myself and about my business since. So I'm very happy to be cooking, um, very, very uh, happy with it, and I'll probably be doing that for quite, quite some time. So. <laughs> so tell me, how did you go from cooking cookies, baking cookies, actually, I guess would be the proper term, um, yes, as yes. a 15-year-old to becoming now a celebrity chef? Because that's um, huge, especially with, you know, your list of clientele that you already have. Well, a lot of it was um, with me being in the right place at the right time. I mean, I think everything comes the way it's supposed to. But um, I think the powers that be understood my um, my passion behind it, and because of that and because of the energy I put out there and my love for it, I've been placed in certain situations that have helped to develop me as a person, as a cook, and have been able to garner me some type of media attention as well. So I'm very, very fortunate for it, so, you know. Okay, but there has to be something that um, sets you apart to get the media attention because we know that there's, there are many chefs out there, and sometimes people just want to be at a certain level, a mom-and-pop kind of chef, and then there are chefs who um, really want to have a celebrity clientele but have not been able to do that or even get, garner the attention of the media. So can you just tell me how you were able to do it? <laughs> um, well, that's that's well, a, a, quite an accomplishment. Well, I well I definitely appreciate that. I don't think there's a magic recipe per se. I, I think it just comes down to hard work, um, mm -hmm. hard hard work, um, opportunity, and knowing how to take advantage of the opportunity. Um, but trust me, I mean I've fallen on my butt a time or two and had to learn a couple <laughs> of lessons behind it. So it has not been a uh, rosy road all the way to this point. Um, but, you know, just, just just being open and keeping my eyes open to the lessons that are there. And after learning those lessons, not going back to repeat them again. But, I mean, it's been a lot of hard work. It's been a lot of hard work. I've worked with a fantastic team over these four, like, and a half years, and they've really kind of helped me to propel the business to where it is now, so I mean, we actually travel now between Chicago and Charlotte currently to do business um, for um, higher end clients and then for other uh, smaller things as well. So I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm just very, very fortunate to be in the field that I'm in to be able to do something that I love to do, which a lot of people unfortunately aren't in a position to. I'm very grateful to be in this position, so I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Definitely. So, because when I do the show, it's always about inspiration and sharing, being very transparent and also encouraging other people to pursue whatever their purpose is and what they really enjoy and those dreams that they would start if they only, you know, had money, time, or energy to do it. So you can't really wait on that perfect time because it just does not exist. You've got to go for it. 
So at yeah. any time, because this is what I tell people when they want to come work for in in media or for me, um, the best way to get into my industry as a you know as a, a new person is really to give away, to give first. So were there times where you had to cater for free? <laughs> ever? Oh boy, oh boy, I <laughs> I would never forget. I never forget the first party I did, the very very first. <laughs> Party. It was for about <laughs> ten people. It was a breakfast on the south side of Chicago, and I didn't know anything about business. I just knew I wanted to cook, and uh, I charged the lady eighty-five dollars to feed ten people breakfast. So of course, I mean, I lost my butt on that one, uh, but I felt good about it because I said, "Hey, well, other people other than my family actually like my food." So um, I had to quickly take a business one-on-one class from my father, uh, Cordell McGarry, as well, who's an excellent resource as far as business goes. But I had to kind of tap into him and to some other people uh, to really get the uh, hang on how to conduct business. Uh, Because, I mean, it's one thing to have a passion about something and to have your heart into it, but business is business. And I had to learn that um, quickly. So um, yeah, it, it was. It's it's been a very interesting journey to to say the least. But I mean, to break into this industry, I mean, lots of people now. People have been spoiled, I think, by the con- convenience of everything. When you see all the restaurants out, um, when you see all the cooks in the back of the kitchen cooking, and you see all the advertisements on TV for, hey, you want to become a chef? Just sign up here, and we'll turn you into a world class chef. And <laughs> and a lot of that is is it's just marketing, like it's advertising to get people to sign up for a school, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but the cooking industry is not for everybody. Um, I can say in my own personal experience, I went to school with a good number of people, and I would say a good maybe 25% of them are left in the industry. And it's not bad on them. It's just a matter of it's a lot tougher than what people thought. Like I know I had to start off at the dish washer, just like a lot of other chefs and cooks who I know, they all started off mm-hmm. as dishwashers, and they look at it, some people look at it, I'm not washing any dishes, I'm beneath that, I'm a cook, and it's like, well, the most important job to me in the kitchen is the dishwasher, because if the dishwasher doesn't wash the dishes, or they don't come back clean, guess what, you don't have anything to put the food on. So to exactly. me, it, that's that's the most important thing, people get the glory behind being the one that cooks it or being the guy that or the person rather that runs the entire show but it's it's a lot bigger bigger than that so but it takes a lot of hard work you got to be willing to go through the ups and downs of it if you really want to cut your teeth in this industry definitely what about studying other great chefs who come before you whose shoulders you now stand on who are those that you watch the most closely that you take um, a lot of their wisdom and use it and, you know, of course, put your own spin on it. Who are some of your favorite chefs to watch? Well, well yeah, I mean, just 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 with that, I mean, it's just like with any other issue, not, not just cooking, but just period. Um, you have to know the history in order to be able to know who, who you are and where you want to mm-hmm. go. So, and that's with people of all creeds, colors, across the board, any industry that you can think, think of. So, I'm an avid reader, uh, Patrick Clark, the late, late, great Patrick Clark, was one of the first um, African-American chefs on TV back in the 80s. Uh, he was a huge inspiration to me. Uh, Julia Child, of course, uh, she's fan- fan- fantastic, fantastic. Um, I like Rick Bayless a lot. Um, I think that that guy can really, really cook. Um, the uh, guy, Singh, Singh Mai, I believe is his name, the guy from Simply Mean, um, I really, really loved his 
flavors as well. But I but I keep a good eye on pretty pretty much the cooking shows and the chefs. Some of them are just fluff, and I do understand mm-hmm. that as well. Um, it's just for TV. But some of them, like that TV show Chopped, I love that TV show because you 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 have a basket. They don't tell you what's uh-huh. in the basket, and you got twenty to thirty minutes to cook. So your creative juices really have to come out. Um, so I mean that 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 part I really 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 like. Um, but yeah, I, I mean at some point we would we're we're definitely going to have a cooking show like of our own too, and and aspire to reach those levels of the Chef Clark's, the Chef Julia Childs, the Rick Bayless's, and and the other guys out there. Um, Chef Alton Brown is one of my favorites. Uh, he's a he's a geek, and I like him for being being a geek because not only can mm-hmm. he cook, he has a lot of the scientific information behind it that explains why things are the way that they are. So I really like him. Awesome. I, I like that you think you you are definitely looking at the possibilities of um, creating your own cooking show because I really think with um, the, how easy is it's so much more easier to do shows yourself now. You don't have to necessarily wait on a big network producer to do it. If you put together a really great show, you can get some TV time. So I commend you Absolutely. on that, and I look forward to seeing that. So tell me, have you always, even starting out, were you always into the healthy eating and healthy, cook, healthy cooking aspect of being a chef? Well, um, I've always been a relatively slender guy, um, so from that vantage point, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I've always been into, for the, for the most part, into healthy eating. Um, I grew up on the south side of Chicago where there were not necessarily a gargantuan amount of healthy eating out, outlets. Um, we had a lot of fast food in my neighborhood, and we were a middle-class, well, almost a middle-class neighborhood, but um, disproportionately in a lot of areas in Chicago, um, especially in the black and brown areas, more specifically, um, there aren't really any healthy food outlets. So I knew that if I kept eating these cheeseburgers and these gyros and these hot <laughs> hot links and, you know, this fried chicken every day, something was going to happen. I mean, it didn't take me long to figure out I'm a lot thinner than a lot of the people who are around me. And not that being thin is a sign of good health, um, but it That's is a so sign true. of not I'm being overweight. I'm glad you made that point, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's very true, but it is a sign of not being, like, overweight, though. So, I mean, which is one aspect of what healthy eating is. So um, just seeing the other people around me and then asking people, um, like, I've done several classes where I can ask a, a room of 20, how many people in your family have diabetes? I guarantee you at least 18 people will raise their hands, at least. Wow. Um, so it's something that's always been in me. Um, I have a few members of my family who are obese as well. So it's something that I never wanted to become. And looking at the neighborhood that I grew up in, I said, well, there has to be something that could be done to eradicate this. I mean, because if not, at some point, we're all going to die, and we're going to die very early death over something mm-hmm. that we could actually control. And we I mean, definitely it, had some control over. Yeah. I mean, the, and the crazy thing is, Red, is that the information is there. The information has always been, been there, um, a lot of people just don't think that they have the aptitude to do it. They think that it takes uh, more money to do, that it takes more time. And really what it starts off with is you shifting your mind and you understanding that, hey, I can do this if I really want to do it. Um, it's, it's very feasible, uh, but people have to recognize that it is possible. 
and then they have to have people in their corner to encourage them as well. That's a that's a huge part of it too, because if if you're the only person out of a group of ten people who are always in constant contact with each other and you're the only one that's doing it, yeah, it's a little tougher. But if you can get half of that group to join you, it becomes a, um, a little bit easier. But that's where will, willpower comes comes in, too. So I'm not blaming the other people, but it definitely starts with a shift of your own mind saying that I can do this, B, I want to do this, and C, how can I do it? Absolutely, and, and that's very minimal if those people in your circle are not going to participate. At least you should require them to respect that this is your new lifestyle change that you're implementing in your life. You're going to eat healthy. You're going to become educated on, you know, the food that you eat and your exercise regimen. So because a lot of people are just not going to do it, you know, because it's much easier said than done. <laughs> oh, yeah, and more often said than done. So, so when you're doing a, a catering event, and will you could those things are the less healthy, or, or are most of your clients of the same mindset that you are, and we're only going to eat foods that are prepared and are healthy for us? No, I'm sorry, you you kind of um, broke up on that. I didn't hear the beginning of. The I was asking uh, if you had a client who wanted some southern fried pork chops and some gravy, would you prepare that, or are you more into clients who want? Um, a grilled or broiled piece of lamb chop or something. So well, that's well, why I was trying to see what your client yeah. looks like. No, that's funny that you asked that. Uh, that was uh, going back to what I mentioned earlier about the the my heart and my business. Uh, listen, my heart always wants me to tell people to put the fried chicken down, put the fried pork chop down, um, and to do it in moder- moderation. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's that's the key to me. Um, at the same time, the business mind kicks in and it says, well, okay, can you do southern fried chicken? Well, yes. Well, um, this is business, and if this is what your client wants you to do, that's what I do. Um, so, I mean, I'm I'm fortunate to be versed in several different different things. At the same time, people hire me as a cook or as a chef, not always as somebody who's going to transform my life. And that's, that's, that's something I had to learn early on in business because I did turn down client in the beginning because it was against what I wanted to do, but in the end, everybody isn't there, and you kind of have to meet people where they are, and if you want to have any hope or semblance of getting them to where they need need to be, you need to meet them where they are, but then at the same time, though, as I just mentioned, it takes them making that shift, so if they don't want to make the shift, I can disseminate information about healthy eating all day. If, if 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 it's not in your mind to want to do better, it doesn't make a difference. You're still going to do what you want to do. So I mean, yeah. and I think that's a, that's that's a problem. I think a lot of people have when they go to the grocery store too. On the other end, some people actually do want to do better, but they just don't know how. So when they go to the grocery store, um, after looking through things that they're trying to figure out, okay, what is this? How do I cook this? Then the frustration sets in, and they say, "Screw it! Well, let me just go with what I know," and mm-hmm. that's the trap that people get caught in, caught into. So, um, yeah, I mean, there 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 are a myriad of different ways to really go about tackling it, but you just have to want to do it, and that's that's the part that we come in where we're going to do our best to educate you and make you aware on what you're putting into your body, how it can make a difference to you, um, if you have certain like ailments, what you can do with food to be able to change this. Because food is really the medicine medicine of the world. It's not what the pharmaceutical companies are putting out there. Food at one point was the medicine, and it should still be the medicine. However, now people have to deal with these 
drugs that have been clinically tested, quote-unquote, for six months, and whereas years ago they were tested for a year and a half or two plus. So now it's about big business and making money, so these drugs aren't being tested and vetted properly, so they have to recall them all the time. And it's it's amazing when you see how many people have become hooked on the con- convenience of everything. Well, I can eat everything I want to. I can take this magic pill, and in yeah, two and weeks I'll be down 50 pounds. Really yeah. yeah, pharmaceuticals are the largest and, and the most um, lucrative industry around today in the United States of America. They are, like, mm-hmm. number one when it comes to revenue. And like you said, people get addicted to it. And, and sometimes it's just in your mind they're not really doing any more for you. You just take an extra pill that you don't need because if you still don't eat right and exercise, the weight is not going to stay off and come off like you want exactly. it to. So. But exactly. um, I can understand people being that desperate and, and that because they don't have the knowledge that they need to understand that if you just eat right and, you you know, you eat the smaller meals, and it takes time to develop this. This doesn't happen overnight because not even for me did it happen overnight, but I'm more conscious than I was five years ago. And sure. um, prior to, what, ten years ago, I didn't even have the problem that I have now with the weight. So I'm having to, as well, you know, talk talk myself out of maybe don't do this this time. And, and once you do it enough, it becomes a habit and it becomes much easier. So don't give up on it. Just hang in there. And if you have a bad day, I tell people, you know what, there's tomorrow. You do better tomorrow. So I wanted to okay. ask your question because I always like education, and so I really don't know the answer to this question. Sometimes I pretend I do, but I don't. And this is okay. also a question that was in the chat. What is the difference between a cook, a chef, and a sous chef? Because, you know, when we watch those shows, we hear those terms all the time, and uh, I just don't know what, what's the difference. Okay, well, in the end, we're all cooks, period. So mm-hmm. chefs are more titles than anything else. Some are earned, some you put on yourself. But most of that comes from the restaurant industry. And from the top down, uh, in, in most restaurants generally of mid, mid-size, you have an executive chef, uh, maybe an executive sous, sous chef, a sous chef, and then a cook, and that's from the top to the bottom. The executive chef is the guy that, or the person rather, that runs the entire show. So um, when, when from from the admin in to pretty much the flow of the kitchen, if anything goes good or bad, it's on that person. Um, if if you need food to be ordered, or you're needing menus to be set, or recipes to be set, that your or profit and loss statements, that generally comes from the executive chef. The sous chef or the executive sous chef who is right under the executive chef is the person who runs um, the service generally. So, for instance, um, if the executive chef is not there or they set up the actual structure, which is pretty much what they do, the sous chef or the executive sous chef implements the actual structure. So, for instance, um, at a night service at your restaurant, the person that's calling out the orders to the cooks or making sure that uh, the food is right when it comes out to the uh, patron is either the executive chef or most of the time the executive or the sous chef. So they're the next in charge. Uh, cooks and cooks and line cooks are pretty much a synonymous term. Those are people that actually cook the actual food for the patrons. So the executive chef really doesn't do any cooking. They do more training and infrastructure. Uh, the sous chef does the implementation of that, and the cooks do the cooking. Mm, okay. Wow, that was such a great 
um, explanation um, and answer to that question. My my next question to you, and this is so important to me because I and my friends and I we we debate this. I would rather have food that really looks good the whole presentation because when I do events, it's about the presentation to me. I want the food that tastes good, but it doesn't have to be like slap your mama good if I got a lose presentation. And right, so. Right. And I, I see a lot of chefs who cook really well, but that presentation is, it just takes away from, you know, how delicious the food is to me. So how important is presentation to you as a chef? Well, well, presentation is everything, um, especially in the restaurant industry. Um, if if I were to bring you out a, a plate of food that did not look good, you would be apprehensive about eating it, uh, even if it tasted great. I mean, because people... People uh, eat with their eyes uh, on both ends as far as if you lay out 10 pounds of meat between three people and tell them it's free, they're going to do their best to eat up the meat until it's gone because we see it, that's what we want, that's what we're going to do. (laughs) On the same end, I mean, it's very, very true, it's very, very true. On the other end as well, um, if a a plate looks pretty um, or looks enticing, you're going to want to try it, and even if it's bad, it looked good to make you want to try to figure out if it is bad like or not. Uh, if it doesn't look good, you're probably not going to try it, period, or you're already going to set it into your mind this is not going to be good. So when you do bite into it, you're already prejudging it and saying, oh, this is not going to be good. But present, presentation is key. Um, it really, really is. Um, nobody wants to be served of anything that looks bad. I mean, no one no one wants wants that period. So I think presentation is huge. Okay. But so when you're flavor, preparing for flavor your is client, important as well. Do you um are there certain questions that you ask your client? Because I think, you know, some people just take any person as a client and my best friend happens to be a chef here and he does not do that and I was like, You're just like throwing money away He said, That's gonna cost me way more money than um they could pay me because I can see now it's gonna become an issue. So when you're choose, do you choose your clients or you'll take whoever's recommended and say, I guess my question is, are there clients that you would not take for whatever reason? Yes, um, yes. And that's the business lesson I had to learn. Um, as much as I <laughs> yeah. hate to say it, as much as I hate to say it, and if any of my friends are listening now, forgive me, but you know I'm telling the truth. Um, it's not always the best thing to do business with friends. It's not and always family. the best. Definitely. Thing. Um, Definitely. Now, now I have one of my best friends. He works within my business. Um, I we've been working together for the past three, three, four years. He's excellent. But I've known him for twenty plus years, and we have an understanding that business is business, personal is personal. Um, and everybody doesn't get that though. And I think friends at time expect you to give them the hookup because you're their friend, <laughs> and they don't respect the business. And it's okay. I mean, it's natural. But it's like this is a business. Um, yeah, it's one thing to get a hookup yourself and then expect your friends to get that same hookup. That's that's disrespectful, and, and you can't make it is. run a business like that. But I know people it is. that too. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and really, really, you really have to be able to vet your vet your potential clients to a degree. There's certain things that you listen out for, certain things that you look for in a conversation with a person to figure out. And I could be wrong too, but there's certain things that I look for to figure out if this person is serious or not. Um, and that really 
that really helped me vet, vet this particular person. Um, one thing I have found out, and maybe I shouldn't say this, but if there are any entrepreneurs listening, um, what I will say is this. The people, the people that, that argue you up and down about a price are going to be the people who are going to be on your butt the most, and they're going to yeah. nitpick at you the absolute most. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it took me exactly a while to set it up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very, it's very true. And if it's family, <laughs> that makes it work. So, you know. All right. And I know your ideal client would be somebody who, you know, understands the business, who has some money to pay for the items that they're ordering. But beyond that, what do you look for in a client when um, they come to you and they want you to cater an event? Um, well, I'm more... the... No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I look for them to be serious about whatever like it is, whether we're doing um, um, healthy fare or whether we're doing not as healthy fare. I'm looking for them to be serious about it because I take my business very seriously. I don't put myself into that box of people that play business um, or people who are just solely caterers. And there's nothing wrong with that like at all, but I think the breadth or the depth of the skill set that I have goes beyond that. So, um, I look for seriousness. Um, I look for obviously the budget to be 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 there as well. But I look for a desire of the person to really want what I have to offer. And I think what I have to offer is excellence in many different ways. So as long as you're serious about it um, and you're looking for some great great food and some great information, I'll definitely be able to help you out as much as I can. Oh, that is so awesome. So I want to make sure, because we only have like a minute left in the show, that I need to go to your website because I know people are going to want to um, contact you um, because I've heard nothing but awesome accolades about you as a person and also as a chef. You are awesome. We didn't get to talk about your clients, but they are definitely celebrities, and if you're able to cater for them, then I'm sure you will please any of the most um, savvy client out there. His website is www.chefcordell.com. And you can find him on Facebook as well. Please make sure you get in contact with him. And uh, if you're in the Chicago area, wherever you are, because I'm sure he would travel, and you have to have a book yes, for that. So, Cordell, thank you so much for being my guest. And um, I hope soon we'll get you to Memphis so we can do one of those healthy cooking shows prior to your getting your show together. And it's been a pleasure to talk to you. And thank everybody so much for listening to Loretta McNary Live. As always, same positive dream, big dreams, help someone along the way. And we'll talk to you very, very soon. Have an incredible day. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.